Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. You guys ready for some gospel? Yeah, hey, I don't have anything else, so that's what we're going to get. Good news, right? The gospel, man, I've just discovered the gospel in the last few years, and it's, it's changed my life. I didn't say I just discovered the church or the Bible. I discovered the gospel. Went to church my whole life, and then I met Jesus. <laughs> you know, the only way to effectively hide Jesus is church. Anyway, I'm going to keep right on, just, just keep right on going because it's quiet up in here, but <clears throat> that's the way that people effectively hide him. Mm-hmm. All right, man, I got some good news to share with you today. If you brought your instruction manuals, I got one verse. I'm going to just read it off the screen. Um, it's Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.30. I tried to find uh, a translation that actually best communicates the heart of God in this passage. And so I read about 15 or 20 until I found one. And I'm going to read just the first portion of that. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read it from the New King James, but then I'll read it. I'll read from my Bible at first, but then I'll read it off the screen to you. That way you can kind of, if yours is just completely different, you'll kind of be tracking with us. You guys ready? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Man, I would love to read 26 through 31 because it's beautiful. But I'm going to read verse 30. New King James says, but of him, everybody say him, is the father. Come on, say him is the father. But of him, but of the father, you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, because of the father or through the father, you are in Christ Jesus, right? Because of the work of the father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I'm going to read verse 31. Why? So that it's written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now, I'm going to read from the GNBDC translation. Don't worry about it. It's the good news. It's what it means. Good news there. But God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. But God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus. And God has made Christ to be our wisdom. By him, by who? By God through his son, we are put right with God. We become God's holy people and are set free. Father, let your word do what you sent it to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, most of you guys will know this. By the way, by show of hands, how many people just grew up going to church? You grew up going to church. Cool, me too. So you grew up going to church. That means if, you know, if I, the, the term Bible isn't anything strange to you. Um, the term church isn't anything strange to you. If I say salvation, that wouldn't be a new term to you. If I hear say redemption, that may not be a, a new term to you. If I say the term anointing, you've probably heard of that term. If I say fasting, if I say prayer, I've heard of those terminologies. But there is a term that 
Paul uses it several times in his gospel, and I really believe it's probably the, it's probably the hinge word, in my opinion, of the New Testament. But a, a lot of people are not familiar with it. If I say sin, we're familiar with that. If I say sinful, we're familiar with that. Lake of fire, we would understand those things. Heaven, I understand that. But when I say the term union, see, you look at me like you're looking at me right now, like union. Oh, yeah, I'm part of the union. My job, yeah, we're part of the union. <laughs> we're part of the union. Somebody said the credit union. But the term union is such a special and a unique term scripturally. And uh, it's probably the thing that has set me free over the last two and a half to three years. That word. And I haven't dealt, delved into it enough, um, but I am. And I'm going to take the next few weeks and I'm going to talk about our union, and I'm going to talk about what is a secondary consequence to us now because we have a union with Christ Jesus. So because I grew up in church, here's what I grew up learning. By the way, we've, we've lost people at this church because the gospel is too much for them. There are people who no longer come because the message, it, can, it can't be that good. Because I've been going to church my whole life, and they say, I've never heard some of the stuff you're saying, and, and it can't be that good. I can't take that. Literally, I've had people leave. The gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. Watch this. There is no bad news in the gospel. You can't make it bad news. No matter what you do with it, you cannot make the good news bad news. It literally means it's the too good to be true good news, yet it's still true. The gospel requires no effort from us. That's actually why it's good news. I said the gospel requires no effort from us. That's why it's actually good news. Every time in scripture God gave us something to do, we made a blunder of it. So the gospel is powerful because, watch this, because it is God-sustained and God-supported. When I was a boy in school, if I wanted you to take me serious, I would say something like this. I would say, man, I swear on my mama's grave. My mama wasn't even dead. <laughs> so I would try to think of something that was close to me that if I said it, you knew you'd take me seriously. I swear on my mama's grave. And one day a friend in high school said, man, I'm sorry, man, I know your mom passed. I'm like, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. My mom's not passed. You know what God swears by? You know what Hebrews says that he swears by? It says when he could swear by none greater. If you're God, who do you swear by? What do you swear by? Do you swear by the Rocky Mountains? Do you pick one of the wonders of the world? If you're God and you want somebody to take you serious, what do you swear by? You can't be a creator and swear by any created thing because they're all less than you. So it says, because he could swear by none greater, he swore by himself. And he did that showing us that this covenant, I am putting not even one ounce of this covenant on your work but it's all on me. And this word union in regards to our covenant, I'm telling you what, man, it is messing me up. I, 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 
I don't know if I even heard the word union growing up in church, to be honest with you. I don't think I ever even heard the word union. Most people, and I, I taught this for years, not what I'm teaching now. I taught something that led me into this, but for years I taught the greatest thing you can have is a personal relationship with Jesus. I now know that's so flawed. Because watch this, I have personal relationships with everybody in this room, but I only have reunion with one person in this church. I have personal relationships with many people in this room, but I only have a union with one. I can have a personal relationship with you and still do you wrong. And I can do what I want to do regardless of how it affects you because I only have a personal relationship with you. But when you understand the biblical concept of union, oneness, in union, you can't even do God wrong. uh, Because in union, his rightness overrode your wrongness. Union, I said. When you hear the term union, you must hear one. So I grew up hearing about church and, you know, tithing offerings and are you a sinner or are you a saint or, you know, are you going to heaven? Are you going to hell? Are you coming to BBS? Are you coming to revival? Are you coming to conference? Are you coming to the leadership meeting? Are you coming to the growth track? I heard all this stuff, but I'm telling you, nobody has ever sat in front of me and taught me about union. I heard about justification by faith. I've heard teachers on soteriology. Demonology? I, I mean, everything. You just, you just lay it out there. We've probably heard some of it somewhere. But how many people have had a father sit down and teach you about union? And the reason we taught about justification by faith, which was true and needed, but it didn't stick, was because we didn't learn about union. Well, what is union? I'm so glad you asked. First, I want you to understand this. Because of God, that verse we read, because of God, you and I have been brought into union with Jesus. Watch this. Jesus is not just with us, meaning side by side. Paul taught that union meant this. You are one with him. Watch this, watch this. So intermingled with him that you couldn't be separated from him if you tried to. This is union. Watch this now, and this is good news. Oh my God, this is good news. In the the old covenant, they had law, 613 commandments. Here's the Father, here's the nation of Israel. If you obey the law, you felt like you were close to God, but even the law and obedience to it never brought union. Watch it. All the law could do if you obeyed it was make you feel good that, shoo, I kept that law today. And that that lasted until you didn't do it right one time. And then you felt distant again. The goal of God, the goal of God is not even obedience. You you know some of the craziest stuff I've heard in church, the highest form of your worship is obedience. No, it's not. Guys, I could threaten my wife. And say, if you don't do this, I'm going to whoop you. You know how fast that would last in my house? She would get the spirit of Jackie Chan and kick me in my Adam's apple. But seriously, 
you can threaten people and make them obey you. Because watch this, out of fear, you can force obedience. You can force compliance. God did not give us laws saying, I'm going to destroy you unless you don't obey the law, even though that's how we look at it. But your highest form of worship is not your obedience. I can pay people to obey me. But a heart smitten with love. That was always Yahweh's intention. And a people that would be one with him. That was always his intention. (laughs) That was always our father's intention. It was to have union with him. I'm going to list some things today as we talk. And I just want you to take some notes. Because of union, the gospel is powerful. Watch this. And because of the gospel, union is a reality. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing I want you to catch, and you can throw that point number one, Katie, is this. Now, because of union, we have this. We don't have to what? Do you know what it's like to try to strive to be a Christian? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm talking about I'm striving to be a Christian. I'm just trying to be obedient. You know what that is? Law. I'm doing my best. You know what that is? Law. Do you know the priest in the old covenant could not even wear garments made uh, out of a certain fabric because it would make them sweat? And when they did their ministerial duties, they were not supposed to sweat because it was work to them. It wasn't supposed to be that way. It was a little bit of striving in there. And the law was not given for people to obey. You know what the Bible says the law was given for? So that every mouth may be stopped and silenced before God. That all the world may appear as guilty. The law was simply saying, you can't do it with dotting I's and crossing T's. Do you know what we, we tried to stop doing in church? We tried to stop sinning. And so pastors where I grew up always preached on sin as if that would make you stop sinning. They were saying, don't do that right there. Stop doing that right there. Don't do that right there. Don't focus on that right there. And the more they talked about it, what, we, what do we do? Squirrel. <laughs> don't do that? Okay. And watch this. What that did in America... What that did over the last 200 years or so is it has created a sin consciousness in the West. But God God doesn't want us to be sin conscious. He wanted us to be sons conscious of him. And so this theology, as it were, this mindset has come about that you can be right with God and you sin and then you're not anymore. And then you get forgiven and you're right with God and then you, then you, then you sin and you're not with God anymore. And you know where that came from? That's, that's Greek mythology. That's Greek thinking. The Greeks, even when I went to Greece, I was blown away, but the, the Greeks are where you get Zeus. It's where you get Hades from. That's where you get Poseidon from. And they believed that if you did well by them, the gods would be with you. And then if you didn't do right by them, the God would leave you and take favor from you. Sound like American church? I'm doing well now. God's, I've been reading all week. God's with me. I feel his presence. He's with me. Man, I sinned. Man, I missed it. Man, I just think I feel like I'm, I'm so displeasing to him. God, would you just let me feel your presence? What? 
You know where that came from? That came from the Greeks. But we don't have to strive to live the Christian life. Do you know what? Living the Christian life is actually impossible if you try to do this on your own. You know what Paul says, Galatians 2.20? He says, this, this verse set me free. He said, now I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I. Not me. Not I. In the life that I now live, in this fleshly body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Literally, Jesus in us lives this life through us. You know what the Bible says? His commandments are not grievous. In other words, they're not hard. The law was hard. If I told you I want you to be married to somebody that you didn't love, that is hard. And that is most people's relationship with God because they're coming by way of, well, I got to do this. If I don't, you know, he's going to get me. It is easy to be married to my wife because I am in love with her. I didn't say that things don't become difficult. I'm just saying it is not hard for me to be married. Listen, you have union with God. When I got married to my wife, I went out of, I went from being a person with a relationship with Lindsay Jones, and she is bad to the bone. I'm telling she's guilty. Every, every way I look, she's guilty, right? I went from having a personal relationship to being in union with her. And watch this. When I join in union with her, I have no more secrets. You know what the Bible says about my body and about her body? It, Paul says this. Your body now belongs to your spouse. I'm so glad that's in the Bible. I'm like, baby, you know what the Bible says right there? I'm about to pull out some Song of Solomon and bless us tonight. That's in the book. My body's no longer my body. Well, I I didn't want that in this relationship. Yeah, but you left having a personal relationship and you entered into what? Union. I wish somebody would have told me I entered into union growing up. Watch this. We have the only God in the known universe that says, I want to be to you, your groom. And I want you to be to me, my bride. I want to be to you a father. And I want you to be to me children. Only Yahweh says that. We are married to God. Put up John 15 and 5 for me, Katie. I want you to get this. Our union is an accomplished fact. Our union is an accomplished fact. You guys tracking with me? You okay? If you're bored, shout amen. Man. What did I tell you to put up there, Katie? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think I told you the wrong words, but keep that up there because I'm going to use that. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. You want to talk about union? How much union? How much union? I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. And you are the branch. How close does a branch have a personal relationship with a vine? Or does it have union with the vine? <laughs> personal relationship. You could be really, really close, but I don't care how close you are. That's not union. By the way, union comes by way of covenant. If you're wondering, well, we've been together a long time. You know, we might as well. No, I'm just, union comes by way of covenant. 
right? If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. Watch this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, not just with me, but in me. What? That's union. And I in him. What? That's union. He it is that bears much fruit. Why? For apart from me, for all the personal relationship people, for apart from me, you can do nothing. The way to have a fruitful and productive life as a follower of Jesus is to recognize Jesus does not want a personal relationship with you the same way you have one with your boss, the same way you have one with your friends, the same way you have one with your siblings. He wants you to know that, no, I didn't die on the cross to be better friends with you. I died on the cross to have a union with you. The incarnation is Yahweh's way of shouting to the earth, can't you tell I wanted oneness with you? Deuteronomy 6, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. And the Lord our God who is one wants oneness with you. Do you know the scripture says that God is not jealous of us, but yet he's jealous over us? Why? Because I have betrothed you, Paul taught us. God betrothed us. We are married to the Lord. We have union with him. Union is not going to be a reality in heaven. It is a reality on the earth. He in us, we in him. We are dependent upon him for life. How dependent is the branch to the vine for life? Union. Watch this. I'm telling you, you don't have to impress God. I, I used to think if I, if I had a lot of opportunities to preach, I was, doing God, I was doing God justice. I mean, I was so immature. I thought if I preached a lot, God was really favor, showing me favor. Then I thought if I got on a plane and went somewhere, I'm really pleasing to God. Then if I did it a whole lot and I went really far, like I began to get opportunities to go to other nations, I'm really doing something right. I was so dumb, so immature, so young, trying to impress God. You know what I was doing? Law keeping, dotting I's, crossing T's. Watch this, watch this. You don't have to impress God because you know why? Watch it, watch this. You know why? You don't have to impress God because he pressed himself into you. Now, Selah, Selah. Pause, comment, think about what you just heard. You know some people in the Bible that try to strive to get to God and to live a godly life and I want to get to God's level. You know, Holy Spirit reminded me last night, Tower Babel. Think about that, Matt. I'm going to build something up to where God is. I'm going to get to God. I'm going to get to where you are. This ain't nothing new. We just dress it different in 2021. Heaven came down through Christ in the incarnation and Christ got into us. You understand it? Jesus is in us through and by union, not striving. The only example of what a walk with God is supposed to look like, don't ever look to Moses. Never do that. That's extremely dangerous. Don't look to David. Don't look to Abraham. Look at Jesus. You could have looked at them prior to Jesus. Now Christ has come. You don't leave the superior and go to the inferior. Now Christ has come. Christ is the perfect image of the invisible God. Now God has come through his son. 
We look to Jesus. I want to say this to you. Every time, oh man, can I? I'll just say that later on. That's a little rough right there. That's a little rough. That's a little rough. Jesus is in us so much so through union that when you lay hands, it's not even you. It's him through you. Do you hear that? He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, Jesus said, I in you, you in me, we're in the Father. What is that? It's like all this, what is is it? It's union, right? When you walk, he walks. When you speak, he speaks. You don't have to strive to live the Christian life. Let Holy Spirit live it through you. Jesus walked with the disciples and he could hear their striving. As he's talking with people on the countryside one day, you know what he says to them? Striving up under the weight of the law. He says, for all of you that labor and are heavy laden, he said, come to me. All of you that are bearing the weight of the law, trying to be right in God's sight by keeping those rules, You feel good when you do it, but you feel bad when you don't. You can have three good weeks and one bad moment, and bam, you feel like I'm so distant. He said, but come unto me, all of you who've been working and striving and striving and laboring and toiling, and come to me. You know what he says? He says, take my yoke upon you. You know, Jesus, he's not yokeless. He'll take the yoke of the world off of you and the yoke of religion off of you and the yoke of performance on you, but he doesn't leave you yokeless. He says, now, let me put my yoke on you. Come on. And he yokes you to himself. You know what a yoke was in their day? You can put an ox beside another ox in a field and an ox here, and you put a yoke that's connected to one, and the yoke connects them to the other, and when they move, the yoke forces them to move at the same speed and the same pace. And what Jesus was saying was, he says, take the yoke of that law off of you and that performance, and let me put my yoke on you, and I'll show you how to move at my pace. You know what the message translation says in Matthew 11? He says, now we're doing life, watch this, at the unforced rhythms of grace. Move at my pace. No striving in this life. Second, this is this. Katie, put up point number two for me. This, I'm, I'm about to, this is, uh, I mean, Sawyer's in here, God loves in here, Kaylee's in here, Katie's in here. People that have been me for a while, I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but I've learned a more excellent way. No more trying to what? Y'all, 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 y'all hesitant. I know where we are. I'm going to help you today. You don't have to try to get close to God anymore. I mean, how many rules can you keep to actually do it? Trying to get close to God is an insult to what Jesus has done. There was a time in my life I could quote over, literally over 600 scriptures. Literally, no exaggeration. I would quote the ones, I would quote out of her book, mess you up. I'd be quoting out of Obadiah. I would fast. I would just, I, you know what I was trying to do? What was I trying to do? I was trying to get close to God. You know what Jesus has done? And I know what people think when they say that. And I'm just trying. I, almost every week someone says, pray for me that I can get close to God. Now, you know what I'm saying? Friend, you can't get any closer to God than Jesus brought you to him. How much closer can you get than in him? 
I feel like Acts 17, 28, where, duh, where Paul said, in him, I move. In him, I move. I breathe. In him, I have my very being. You hear that? Paul is sitting on top of Mars Hill, which we've been there. He's sitting on top of Mars Hill, and they have multiple altars to different gods. And he's like, how? And his spirit is so stirred up. He's like, how can I teach them about the real God? They got all these gods. He's walking, and he, and he sees an altar that has an inscription that says, to the unknown God. On He's like, that's the one. That's, that, that's my way. That's my route. That's my way. And he says, gather around, gather around, gather around. And they come around. And Paul says on that mountain that day, he says, the only thing you guys love to do, you exist to hear a thing and tell a thing. He says, but I perceive you're really religious. He says, but let me tell you about this God right here, this altar you set up to the unknown God. Let me tell you about him. He says, first off, you need to understand, he doesn't live in houses made by the hands of men. All of the gods you worship, you go to temples that they made. But this God, he doesn't live in temples made by hands. That's not how he rolls. And then he says this, he says, as your own philosophers or your own poets have said, in him we move, we live, and we have our very being. And then he says this, God has put that desire in you to long for him in hopes that you might find him. And then he says this, for he is not very far from any of us. What? They're worshiping idol gods. And Paul says, even from them, he's close to. Oh, y'all are quiet. No, I thought, though, that's the scum of the earth. God is distant from you. He said, no, even those you think God is far, even them, he says, I'm close to them as well. I am no more, listen, I could go rob a bank today, lie on God love, sleep around on my wife. I could do the worst of the worst as a believer in God and wake up tomorrow and still lay hands on the sick and they still recover. I could, I, could, I could be the worst of the worst and feel extremely distant and wake up tomorrow and you know what? God will still be with me that day as much as he was on the day that it was my best. Because watch this. You don't get close to God by religious activity, a.k.a. reading the Bible, a.k.a. praying more, a.k.a. church attendance, a.k.a. outreaches, a.k.a. fasting. All those things are good. They help. They help with your own maturing, but they do not bring you close to God. In the Bible, scripturally, the way they came close to God really prior to Jesus is they would literally bring sacrifices to God. Watch it now. Watch this. Jesus became our sacrifice. They brought a sacrifice to God, and they would take the blood of that sacrifice of an innocent animal, and they would go behind the veil once a year, prim primarily on the Day of Atonement, and they would sprinkle that Ark of the Covenant seven times. And a unholy nation was brought close to a holy God via through the blood of an innocent sacrifice. How did they come to the Father? Through the blood of an innocent sacrifice. How do you and I now come to the Father? Through Jesus and his blood. I don't come before him when I read the Bible. I come through the blood. I don't come before him just because I pray. I come through the blood. If you come any other way, said Jesus... You know what Jesus said? If you try to come any other way to him, what did he say about that? I can't believe he said that. Jesus said, I am the 
way. I am the truth. I am the life. Watch this. Nobody comes to the Father. He didn't say nobody comes to heaven by me. He said nobody comes to Abba unless they come through me. And the same way today, it is amazing. We feel bad if we don't read the Bible for a few days. And then we feel distant. The reason we feel that way is because we haven't been taught by Holy Spirit that you don't become close to God even through religious activity. The King James Bible don't make you closer to Jesus. It is the blood of his son. Whoa. And you want to silence a thousand woes in your mind? You want to silence a thousand voices in your mind? Get the revelation that you have union with God through his son and that you no longer have to strive to be close to him because what the son did 2020 years ago on a cross is still effective right now, 2021 years later, so that even on my worst day, I can say, Father, I thank you that through the blood of your son, you gave me right standing into your presence outside of my activity. I am for the activity. I just don't want to put any weight in the activity. Come on, are you hearing me? It's quiet now. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church today. I thought Sawyer would be helping, but he's quiet on me today too. Watch this. Well, you know, I'm just trying to get close to God, you know. Listen, Pentecost 2021 years ago was a wedding, but today it's just an anniversary. It's a reminder that God chose to live inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit. Everybody say union. union. You need that. Take off some of the verses off your refrigerator and put that one on there. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit. What? Like, why did it teach me that one in vacation Bible school? Right? Watch this. You don't have to try to get closer to Jesus. How much closer can you get in John 14, 20? I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. John 14 and 20. I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I in you. Watch this, John 16 and 17. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, as long as I'm staying here, the Holy Spirit can't come. But if I depart, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you, and he will live in you. God puts his Spirit not outside of you, not just with you, but in you. Jesus, do you know that we have it better right now, 2,021 years later, than the disciples did who walked with Jesus? I didn't get not one amen right there. Did y'all hear that? Not even one. We have it better right now than they did when they were presently with him. Jesus said, it is better for you if I go. Because as long as I am physically on the earth, I can only be outside of you. And as long as I'm outside of you, there's only one healer, one guy raising the dead, one gospel bringer. But when I leave and you put your faith in me, you'll wake up to the revelation and my spirit is in you. And I'll be in Rome. And I'll be in Athens over there, right? And I'll be in Italy over there, right? And I can be in Africa over there. And I can be in Australia over there. And you will find out that you have a union with me and that my spirit is in you. And you don't got to strive to live this life. And you don't got to try to be close to me. Adam walked in the garden, but now the garden lives in us. I wish we could go back to the days of Eden. Are you kidding me? Eden means paradise of pleasure. And God would say, Matthew, you are my paradise and pleasure. I live in you. 
Jesus said in John 14, 23, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Watch this. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make our dwelling place in you. Put that, that, that scripture up there, Katie. John 14, 23. I want you to hear this. I'm almost done. Ken, if you want to come back to the keyboard. John 14, 23. This verse messed me up. Watch this. Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him. Watch this. And we will come to him and make our what? Hold up now. I I thought God lives in heaven. I'm just kicking over some religious cows like boom, right? Everyone cow tipping. It can be dangerous, right? But it's okay. I own the farm. We tip over Jesus. Jesus says, we will come. This blows me away. And I'm going to make my home with you. Listen, I am 130 pounds. Been the same size since ninth grade. Pray for me. God loved your apartments. How big? 750. I could hide his apartment for a day or so without him finding me. I mean, I could get around. I could hide. I move around when he sleeps. I don't know. Eventually, he'd find me. Just say two or three, he's going to find me. If I tried to live in your house, a 130-pound man, I could for a little bit, but you'd find me. I am amazed that believers in Yahweh We take statements like I just made. Well, God lives in me. Yeah, I know that he lives in me. No, no, no. He said, you're going to be my home. How can God live in people? And there's no evidence of it. You know what Solomon said about God when he dedicated the temple? He said, the heavens of the heavens of the heavens cannot contain thee. How much more less than this house that I've made? Yet God would say, I don't live in temples made by the hands of a man. Because watch this, God never lived in a house he himself didn't design. But he'd say, boy, I sure want to live in you, though. I'm like, God, you know what God could have picked? If I would have been God, I would have made like a crystal castle. And I would say, I'm going to set it a mile in the sky so that human beings can ride by. And I'm a, it's just going to hang there. And they'll say, that's where God lives. But he said, I got something better than that. I'm going to take broken individuals, individuals that had past struggles and ones that you know, their past was just miry. They had nasty attitudes, rebellious toward all kinds of authority. They felt unloving. They were rebellious by nature. They just missed the mark everywhere that you can turn. And I'm going to take that individual and I'm going to say, I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of you so that one day we can read what Paul would write to the church at Corinth and they were sleeping with their mother-in-laws there and they were eating things that were sacrificed to idols there and Paul yet wrote to them and said I write to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus and I want you to know that your body is now the tabernacle of God's spirit I'm like what you are divine real estate I said, you are divine real estate. I love this. You are a house fit for a king. You don't got to try to be close to me. My kids don't got to try to be close to me. And trust me, every night it's mayhem. 
David every night. Daddy, you put me to sleep. I sit beside you, Daddy. Daddy, you pray for me. My wife's over there watching. See y'all tomorrow. <laughs> it's okay. Those are my memories, though. I told my son, I said, you ain't never leaving. I'm like, you can stay with me till I'm 75 if you want to. Those are my memories. You can crawl up in, da- you can crawl up in bed with Dad till I'm 130 if I'm alive. You know why? Because those are my memories. What? But I said, even before I left, and I crawled on this airplane at 2.30, I kissed him. And I do this every night, even to my wife. And I said, babe, and to the kids, I said, you know, all I do, I do for you guys. All I do, I do for you. And I said, Bubba, daddy's about to go. I got to go back home. We're going to share the gospel, and I'm coming back. Sailor says, can I go? No, you can't go. <laughs> But all I do, I do for you. But you don't have to vie for my attention. Because really, one day our kids will know, you always had my attention. Matthew 28 and 20, Jesus says, Lo, or surely, I'm with you always. How long, Jesus? Even to the end of the age. You're with me? I'm with you, son. You're a home, mobile home on two legs. Listen, if you could ask God, God, what is your address? See, I stay at 18112 Scarlet Oak Lane. You'll go there and you won't be thoroughly impressed, trust me. But if you ask God his address, you know what he would say? He would say, it's you, silly. You are my address. This is the mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of union. Romans 5, 5. Hope does not push us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts by Holy Spirit. Let me keep on going. Last last and final point. I've heard this in church, man, so much. I've preached this stuff. I'm trying to buy back CDs of my preaching to get them off the streets. Because you know what? The law preaches good, but it lives pitiful. No more dying to self. You ever heard that? Brother, you got to crucify yourself daily. What? Talk about taking scripture out of context. That is not what Paul meant. Like you should have kept, kept reading some Pauline epistles. If I got to die daily, what was his death for? Oh, I'm trying to die better than he died. What does my blood have in it that his didn't outside of sin? I'm telling you, you don't have to try to die more to yourself. What? Come on, man. I'm at 30, I started serving Jesus on May 5th, 2001. And then religion got a hold of me. I'm just now, Sean, getting my head barely above the waves. But I'm telling you, living the strife-free, the strife-free lifestyle is what we were meant to do, not striving to get close to God. I don't have to die to myself anymore. And I was killing myself, killing myself. But then I read Romans 6, 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? <laughs> what? Like I was baptized into his death. This means that his death was our only and last one. 
you and I were immersed. We, we, we have been co-crucified with him, right? Baptized into Christ. You know what it means to be baptized? If I, had a, if, I had, if I had to explain it to a child, I would say it means to be dipped completely underwater. It means to be immersed or submerged. We were submerged into his death. What? Submerged into Christ's death. If I had a white shirt and I submerged it into a bucket full of red dye, what color is the shirt when I pull it out? Because what I submerged it into overtook it. You and I, our Adam-like natures, our willingness to try to perform and to strive and to try to be close to God. He said, give me that part of you and I'm going to immerse it into my son. Did you ever see Jesus striving to be close to Abba? He didn't strive common storms. He didn't strive walking on water. He never strived. And I'm telling you, I'm asking Jesus, would you take the Adam-like part of me and immerse me in Jesus? Watch this. Will you take the orphan spirit that I have and immerse it into Jesus until I come up a son? Will you take the broken part of me and immerse it into your death until I come out whole? Will you take the victim part of me and immerse it into your, to your death until I come out of victory? Will you take the dirty part of me and immerse it into you until I come out and I no longer feel distant, but I know that I'm close, not because of my religious success, but because of the death and the cross of your son? Would you take the separated part of me and immerse it into your son until I come out no longer feeling alienated, but I can rejoice in the union that Jesus has established for me? Would you take every part of me that felt distant and baptize me into the gospel so much so that my mind, my will, and my emotions can rejoice and say, aha, he is the vine and I'm the branch. Immerse me, Jesus. Huh? Religion says less of me and all of you. But God would say there was a point when I existed and you didn't. There was none of you and all of me and I said that's not good enough. He says all of you covered by all of me. That's the gospel. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united, everybody say united. You hear union? That is the only time in the whole Bible that term is used. The only time in the Greek. The one time. If we have been united together in a death like his, we shall certainly be united in a resurrection like his. King James says planted, I think it's planted together, united together. It is the word symphotos in the Greek. S-Y-M-P-H-T-O-S. It means born together, joined of the same origin, of the same origin. The best example is the vine and the branch. You ever felt this? Well, I just don't feel connected to him right now. I don't feel blessed. Can I tell you something? You don't produce fruit as a believer. The branch doesn't produce fruit. Really, the vine does it. The branch simply lets the fruit grow through it. Watch it now. You don't have to try to produce this. Let the vine do it. The sap doesn't come from the, the branch. The sap comes through the branch. Watch it now. I'm telling you, you got sap. Lindsay, you got sap. Stephen, you got sap. You got love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, faith, long-suffering. 
and against such there is no law. You got the sap of the vine flowing through you. When you see me producing fruit, it's not because I'm making all the right decisions or I'm, I'm super holy. It's because I'm just a branch, man, connected to the vine. I'm, I would say I'm making him look good, but he's making us look good. Just abide. You're married. If you act like you're married when you're not, that's called adultery. But you're not that way. You're married. How many of us in this room right now? Maybe you say, man, is it possible I'm committing spiritual adultery with my life? Let me ask you this question. Anytime you go back and you try to glean the life from what you read prior to Jesus, Old Covenant, that's what I call flirting with Moses. And when you're flirting with Moses, you're sleeping around on Jesus. Can I tell you for years? (laughs) We keep... around on Christ because we're flirting with our ex-husband. Don't you know the scripture says when you left the law you got married to another. Don't you understand that? Colossians 2.6 says so then just as you have received Christ Jesus your Lord continue to live in your union with him. Galatians 3.3 says are you so foolish haven't begun in the spirit that you now try to perfect yourself in the flesh. Huh? Let me read this over and I'm done. Jeremiah 17, I speak this over you. Branch and vine, union. He says, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And you do not fear when heat comes. Its leaves will remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought. And it will never cease to bear its fruit. I'm telling you, regardless of what droughts the culture will throw at us, regardless of what droughts our government will throw at us, regardless of what the next cultural war is going to throw at us, regardless of what next story the media is going to blow up about race, it doesn't matter. They always blow up everything they can. That stuff will always come. It is absolutely nothing new. It has been happening since the creation of mankind. I am simply telling you this. There is one constant in eternity. And it is the Christ. I feel like singing this right now. In Christ alone, the cornerstone, would you stand? The weak made strong in the Savior's love and through the storm. shores of eternity I believe there's some songs we'll sing that we sang on the earth this will be one of those I believe we'll 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 join with saints of old like a Moses 
And Moses say things like, you know what? I got to bring the law. I was the lawgiver. I ascended Sinai and descended with tablets in my hand. But you knew the man? Christ Jesus. Whoa. And Christ is the constant of all eternity. Man, I hope this made heart sense today. I, I recognize that um, a lot of churches wouldn't even welcome what you just heard because it is offensive to most ministry. But I don't do this for popularity. I want freedom and wholeness to people. You understand? If you feel like you have been striving in your walk with Jesus because you're striving for acceptance or maybe even to be noticed, that is a reality that happens. I was in that race, man. If you feel like you're trying to be close to God (laughs) and you feel like you're trying to die, all of those are things that religion passes out. I'm telling you like kids, that candy to kids. Rest in what we call the finished work of the Christ. And let his union with the Father be your union. If any of those bear witness with you, I just want you to lift your hand right now. I'm telling you, I'm removing labels right now. And I'm even believing that mental barriers that have been attached to your life for years get demolished now in Jesus' name. Father, right now, by the revelation of the union with Christ... Holy Spirit, I pray that you shatter spiritual paradigms that have kept us out of the hope of the gospel for many years. I pray that you shatter those things right now in Jesus' name. And every performance mindset that makes us try to have to do more to be closer to you, that doesn't let us see the blood of Christ as been our access, but, ooh, but everything, every religious dumbbell that we've tried to lift to get stronger every religious jog that we've ever taken every religious bow flex that we've ever worked I pray that you would shatter those things now and you would let us see that it really is in Christ alone and I know there is a religion that James calls pure and undefiled which by The antithesis lets me know there's one that is really impure and very defiled. And I pray that that spirit of religion that has clothed itself in religious works, that you would snatch that off of us now and you would remove what Paul called in 1 Corinthians 3. You would remove the veil and you would let us see Jesus. And for everyone that has been striving, for everyone that has been performing, for everyone that has been self-depriving, and you're killing yourself, I want you to do this. See Jesus. I say, behold him. I say, see Jesus. He's the answer. I say, behold. I'm telling you that another service isn't the answer. Jesus is the answer. I'm telling you another revival is not the answer. I'm telling you the man Christ Jesus, he is the answer. I say, behold him now. I say, behold him now. And I remove a spirit, an orphan spirit. That Paul called it an orphan spirit. You never feel like you have a home. You always got to do, hoping you get noticed that somebody brings you home. No, I'm telling you right now, the cross was not an example of how filthy and how bad you were. The cross was an example of how valuable you were. And the Father says, I have given you my spirit. Jesus. 
And God says, the way I remove an orphan spirit is I give you a Romans 8. I release the spirit of adoption into the earth. Oh. Yeah. So that you can cry out, Abba, Father. Right now, spirit of sonship, call them home. Whoa, that's Holy Spirit now. I know we're a little longer than normal, but I just feel this in my heart. Lord, release the spirit of sonship heavily upon us. Whew. I just feel like years of religious ingrainings are getting overturned now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you said every plant that my father didn't plant will be uprooted. Uproot them now in Jesus' name. You said the axe ah, is laid to the root of the tree. Lay it, Holy Spirit. Whoa. It's okay. Man, they're going to be some heathen in some of y'all. This will be happening tonight in your house. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I'm telling you the striving's over. Whew. I'm telling you the striving's over. Because he whom the Son has set free, he's free indeed. I feel a Galatians 5 and 1. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. And don't you know that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed? Yeah. 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 Yes, Abba. Yes. Now, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we love you so much. Uh, but I just pray that into the evening that you would be working in people's hearts, those that need it. And, Lord, would you help us in the Midwest? gospel and Christ-centered again in our approach. I repent of being just separating people from you by what we taught in so many years past. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to see Jesus. Lord, we love you. I seal the word and I seal the work in your heart today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.